0: Hey, everybody, welcome to a special edition of the Denver Post Return to Sports podcast where myself, Kyle Fredrickson, and Mike Singer are going to be discussing the return to action of the NBA, MLB, and NHL. Of course, I cover the Rockies and Broncos for the post. Fredrickson is across the Nuggets and Avs, and Mr. Singer covers the Nuggets exclusively. So going to be bringing you lots of insight into the format for all those leagues returning, any rule tweaks you should watch out for, and of course, potential health and safety hurdles as all three sports try to navigate the logistics back from this coronavirus pandemic. So mr singer we'll start out with you i know obviously uh podcast listeners for the denver post hear you on the nuggets inc podcast but give us a brief outline of what the nba is trying to do with this bubble format out in florida and uh you know maybe some basic thoughts is it going to work are we going to have some hiccups uh you know what are you seeing and hearing from your sources mike
1: uh so yeah, it is an unprecedented experiment that the NBA is trying to undertake. 22 teams will be going down to Orlando beginning from July 7th to the 9th. They're going to stagger their arrivals to try to minimize risk. Um, that is one of probably hundreds of uh, risk mitigation uh decisions that they've made uh, in terms of, their, you know, guys aren't supposed to leave the bubble when they get down there. There's a 10- to 14-day quarantine period if they do. Guests are only going to be allowed come the second round. Uh, there are going to be a litany of daily health monitoring checks from uh I think every player gets a pulse oximeter. The things you clip on your finger, you get a smart thermometer. So, the, I mean, the NBA in 113-page health and safety protocol laid out in exhaustive detail uh, what the players, the teams, their staffers should expect. The thing that I think is the most interesting um, you know, development from the NBA standpoint is that they released their health and safety protocol uh, at a time when cases – uh, at least around the country, we're starting to begin, uh, their descent. So it, it was past that initial wave where we thought, okay, maybe momentum is heading down and we have finally, uh, you know, flattened the curve. Right. And now we are about two three weeks past when, when, when some States have begun opening and, and, and I don't think Florida even particularly really shut down entirely. Um, and now they're back up. I believe yesterday, they we set a record, 45,000 new cases uh, throughout the United States yesterday. So the NBA, there is no doubt that they are questioning their format. And they are questioning whether it is prudent, whether it's practical, whether it's safe for their players to go down there given the spikes, uh, particularly in Florida. So uh, I I know I just covered a ton of information in however long, but that's the primer on what the NBA is trying to do.
0: Yeah, Mike, you touched on an important topic, because we're seeing across the nation some concerns about a resurgence of coronavirus, a second wave, just as these three pro sports leagues are trying to get back into action. Obviously high school sports are trying to find some footing with summer workouts. So, that's going to be a daily, you know, update as we continue to monitor that. Uh, from all three leagues perspective, but Mike wanted to pick your brain on one other thing real quick before we move to the NHL and the abs, Uh, actually two things. First of all, you wrote about the ring that players may or may not be wearing uh, that would monitor medical vitals, et cetera. There's some privacy that concerns that come with that. Can you go into that? And then, Hey, let's talk some real basketball. What are the chances these nuggets can run the table in this bubble format to a title?
1: Yeah, so the NBA announced uh, a couple days ago in one of their now dozens of memos that they've partnered with Aura Health, uh, which is basically a, 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 a ring that I think retails for around300 dollars it measures a bunch of vitals um, your your heart rate your uh, I think I think your oxygen flow or, or something in that capacity and the NBA offered all of its players and staffers the opportunity to wear that ring which could potentially identify, Pre-symptomatic uh, people, in terms of if they've gotten the virus, uh, this would obviously be before you start showing uh, any sort of symptoms. So they, they've given players the option there, and they've the ring also tells people whether they're high risk. So it sort of alerts the NBA, the NBPA, uh, and the player himself uh, if he's vulnerable. Um, players are not going to be forced to wear this by any means, and like you said, there are privacy concerns. Um, teams will not be informed of the specific vitals Unless there is a higher risk, unless this ring gets triggered, uh, in which case then a physician may be informed and the player might have to consult with the physician. So there are definitely privacy concerns, but essentially the information gleaned from that ring can be put into a study um, in conjunction with University of California, San Francisco, and they can continue to study this uh, and so sort of see um, if this ring is a predictor. Uh, in a, in a hard pivot, I'm going to uh, go to the Nuggets' chances, and I, I really do believe that they have a, fi- a, a very good chance to make significant noise in the postseason. I've talked to several starters, um, including Will Barton, uh, yesterday, and Will Barton told me that, he goes, like I told you all season, we're as good as any team in the Western Conference. We can go deep. Uh, it's just a matter if we avoid injuries, if we gel, if we if we get a rhythm quickly, um, and you know, hit him, Jamal Murray, and Coach Malone, Michael Malone, have talked about the possibility of winning a title. And you know, to sum it up, I just think that this is going to be a complete crapshoot down in Orlando, where upsets are far more likely, and teams that you wouldn't necessarily expect to make deep runs have a better shot.
0: Then folks, that's Mike Singer. I'm Kyle Newman. We also got Kyle Fredrickson plugged in on the line on this podcast, a special edition Denver Post podcast on the return of pro sports here in America. Mike was just running down the NBA and Nuggets chances. And of course, Nuggets, one of the most highly hyped teams around Denver right now, right along with the avalanche in the NHL. They've had their season suspended obviously, and they're working on a return to play, Uh, Kyle Fredrickson, Kyle Squared, as we like to affectionately call each other, Um, give us an insight into the return to play for the NHL format, potential hurdles, any rule tweaks, anything like that.
2: Yeah, it's, uh, the NHL took a little bit of a different approach to the NBA. I think it's, it's good to sort of follow their plan with this plan. And, and the biggest difference right now being that we still don't know where these NHL games are going to be played. Uh, the NHL, when they initially said, uh, all right, here's sort of our plan, here are four phases when we'd like to get things going back up, uh, they really only listed a number of finalists. And as of today, looking at here at a 11, 15 a.m. on Thursday, these, these things can, can change so quickly. Uh, the league is down to six different uh, cities that it might host games in. Three in the U.S., Chicago, Las Vegas, and Los Angeles, uh, and then three up there in Canada, Edmonton, Toronto, Vancouver. Um, And I think... obviously the biggest determiner here in deciding where games are played is just the health of these cities. You know, what are their COVID totals? What has their curve been doing in recent weeks? Um, You know, uh, these Canadian cities might be more heavily favored to host games from what I've read, just being that they've been more in line with NHL safety protocols and there hasn't been as much kind of change in between places. I mean, you look at Las Vegas and Los Angeles, you know, right now the West Coast seems to be blowing up with cases. There's Got to be some level of concern there. Uh, But once uh you know games are scheduled and they're able to figure this out, it seems like it's good to have a little bit of movement. Uh we're gonna see a system where the top four teams uh from each league uh are gonna play for seeding, uh the top four seeds to to start an immediate playoffs, or that we're basically gonna go right into a playoff system. Uh and then the remaining eight teams uh from each league, so it's the top 12 teams from each league, uh, then they'll play in a best of five series uh, to decide those remaining seats. So it's a little complicated. They're basically playing mini playoffs to get into the playoffs to start those series uh, but it's looking like right now training camps will start on July 10th uh, and then that 2014 tournament uh, looks like that's going to begin at July 30th. But we still don't know where. We still don't know when. Um, there are some variables here um, that could change. You know? And in terms of, of what it's going to look like and, and you know how these games are going to resume, much like the NBA, I think we're going to see some sloppy play. We're going to see some guys who who need a few games to gel and and, and to get things together. And and while the Avalanche are going to be healthy on paper for the first time since, geez, the the beginning of the season, they've been through different injuries, um, that's going to throw some 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 new, uh, some new nuance into all this. As of right now, I, I, there's one New Jersey sportsbook uh, that's got the Avs with the sixth best best shot at the Cup. That seems a little bit low to me, but they're certainly right in the mix. And I think, in my opinion, uh, the the Colorado pro team with the best chance uh, to win a championship this year.
0: Yeah, so just like the Nuggets, they had championship aspirations coming into 2019-20. Avs, like you said, probably even higher title aspirations for that Stanley Cup. What does Coach Bednar have to do, in your opinion, to uh, get his now finally healthy team jelling again and and get all his stars, Landeskog, et cetera, really grooving? and, And like you said, where it's kind of going to be a show and go format.
2: Yeah, it's fascinating because, you know, Bednar hasn't had this team all year. You know, the Avalanche, they they finished about 85% of the regular season before COVID hit. Uh, You know, 42 wins. They had the second most points in all of the Western Conference. So, you know, you're talking about, you know, basically the the, the Clippers or the Lakers of the West in the NBA in terms of where where they're seated right now. Um, But they did it when they were hurt. They did it in long stretches without, you know, one or both of their goaltenders. They were down to their third or fourth goaltender. Uh, You know, Nathan McKinnon was one one of the only forwards who wasn't out for a significant amount of time uh, with injury, so the fact that he carried this team and, and is playing like a legit MVP candidate without kind of those all those role players, I think it really puts him in that heart conversation of being a guy who maybe should win it this year because of some of those other circumstances. Now the the big break in play, we'll, we'll sort of see what happens. But you know, to your original point, what, what does Bednar need to do to, to get this team ready and going? I think the biggest thing, and this is something that Mark Kisla touched on on the paper this week, um, is the goaltending. He's got two good goaltenders and Pavel Fransuz and Philip Grubauer, but the problem is they've been great in stretches without any kind of consistency, so can he get one guy to be great as Philip Grubauer, the number one goalie like this team had planned in the beginning of the year, or are they going to be thinking they're lucky stars that they got a guy like Pavel Fransuz, who really came out of nowhere, off the radar uh, to help this team this year uh, in ways that people didn't expect, so they're going to need both these goalies to to make a deep postseason run, um, but in the end, uh, as I mentioned before, the Avalanche on paper are as talented as any team in the NHL, um, especially that top lineup of McKinnon, Rampton, and Landeskog, um, and if they play to their potential, I don't see any reason why they can't make a deep run or, or even make it to the, the cup finals.
0: So goaltending intrigue for the Avs, Shirley Fredrickson and Mike Chambers, the other beat writer on that beat, will stay on top of that as uh, the Avs start to progress towards training camp in the NHL season. Fire him back up again, folks. Say special Denver Post Sports Podcast on the return to sports, and we'll move on now to Major League Baseball. Which, uh, guys, fair to say, has been a tad more messy than the return of the other two leagues, eh? Yeah, yeah.
2: Thank you. Think uh, that that seems about right. <laughs> I
1: think you've had a little bit more of a task covering all that than 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 me and Mike at this point. It's been exhausting to follow. Uh, I mean you know, and I say that as, as someone who works in sports media, it's kind of crazy the the back and forth. And, and it's, and from an outsider's perspective, it's not a good look for baseball when these other two leagues seemingly had cooperation from their unions. Uh, and yet baseball is on kind of the, the polar opposite spectrum.
0: Yeah. Basketball guy hitting it on the head right there. Uh, spot on Mike and, As you mentioned, lots of back and forth between the owners and the players association. Finally got to a point where Rob Manfrey just had to mandate a 60-game season. So that's what Major League Baseball is rolling with. Training camp 2.0, spring training 2.0, should I say, starting July 1st. And the season projected to start July 23rd or 24th. But an interesting contrast to what the other two professional leagues are doing to restart is they are not going with the bubble format. Now, uh, the Rockies are going to play NL West opponents, as they usually do within their their division, as well as American League West opponents, aka the Los Angeles Angels, Houston Astros, Seattle Mariners, etc. So uh, there will be travel involved yet to see if media is going to be involved in that travel. Uh, It'll be interesting to see How they can contain coronavirus, especially if there's another spike amid all this travel. Uh, Another thing to look at is kind of the quirks and rule tweaks. Now, we're not getting expanded playoffs as we would have had had the owners and players come to an agreement. It was going to be 16 teams, but now it's just going to be the usual 10. So no more intrigue there, but a short 60-game sprint of a season, in my opinion, figures to help the Rockies. I mean, they, they lost 91 games last year. Why are they projected to finish fourth or fifth in the division again this year? But in a shorter season, smaller sample size, crazier things can happen. Mike, as you mentioned, it's going to be a crapshoot down in Orlando uh, for the NBA. I imagine a similar type crapshoot – For the Major League Baseball regular season, where every game is basically worth about three normal games in a normal season so uh, that will be interesting to watch and final thing guys a couple rule tweaks I don't know if you like little league coming to the big leagues but it will this season in extra innings via the California rule where a guy gets put on second base at the start of each frame of extra innings in order to expedite the game and then of course uh, we all love covering four-hour baseball games at Coors Field okay Fred I know you've done that a couple times. Well, now they might be five hours consistently uh, as the designated hitter is coming to the national league for the first time. It's been in the AL of course since 1973, but coming to the NL for the first time, and it could be here to stay. So it'll be interesting to see how the Rockies kind of manage that. I anticipate Charlie Blackman, Daniel Murphy, Ian Desmond being the top candidates for that. Lots to consider here guys. And let me, let me get your quick thoughts on the lack of a bubble format before we kind of transition to the last part of the show here and talking about what it's been like to cover these sports during this pandemic. But Uh, K. Fred, we'll start with you, then swing it to Mike. Is a non-bubble format going to work? Is, I mean, teams traveling all over the place? I mean, Singer's talking about a ring that NBA players are going to wear to monitor vitals and trying to get ahead of these things. And the MLB is just going to be sending guys from city to city. Is it going to work? Yeah, it's a really good question. It's it's kind
2: of the, the big one looming over, obviously baseball with with that decision, and I think it points back to maybe another issue we could. Just sort of speak on here as well. You know, if they're going to be doing this traveling and and going through airports, that's one thing. But playing in stadiums with fans is another. And 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 how is that going to work? You know, that'll be something I'll be writing about soon in sort of the college football sphere. How attendance is going to work there. But I think sort of the safety protocols that we see in stadiums. You know, whether it's the arrival of fans or players, how that's managed. You know, what is the consistency there? Is it going to be based on what local health authorities are saying? In, in each different place, is is that going to contradict what you know is happening in California versus you know Colorado when when the the Rockies go play the Dodgers? It just opens up. I think this Pandora's box of issues where it's tough to really put a blanket way to handle this, as we've seen nationally, uh, whether it be the the politics of wearing masks or or whether it be just the availability of the safety equipment. Um, you know, I, I'm curious to see kind of what what Mike's singer thinks and, and we talked about this as well but even for reporters going and traveling to these places you know right. at, at least with the rockies uh you know we'll be here at coors field covering the games but you know if, if mike singer wants to be our on the ground guy covering the nuggets he's got to be living in this bubble mike uh, w- w- what have you heard about that as being a reporter and is that
1: a- even a concern for you uh i mean 100 percent it's a concern i would just say that I'm a lot more comfortable potentially going to Orlando for however long, be it one month, be it two months, uh, than I would be traveling all over the country on commercial flights covering baseball. I I would feel very uneasy about that. And in terms of whether I think it's prudent, uh, the, the, the sort of format that Major League Baseball has laid out, uh, I, I'm scared that they might have a rude awakening. Um, you know, as the virus kind of, we see where it goes. We, we have no idea where it goes, but if it continues to rise, if it continues to spike, uh, I feel like Rob Manfred's going to have a really hard time uh, saying just keep pushing keep going on uh, amidst this pandemic when it clearly looks reckless in my opinion to do that to travel right. that's why the nba was so insistent on getting to a neutral site so i mean if i'm projecting i could see major league baseball go going to you know several uh non-hot spot areas and, and try to play out the season but like that is that, that is a dangerous gamble. I mean, the NBA's is a dangerous gamble and they're trying to consolidate just a playoffs to do 60 games and then a postseason. Uh, I would be very, very concerned um, that, you know, if you start the season, are you going to be able to finish it?
0: Yeah, definitely. A lot of good points there, Mike. And, you know, of course, as with the NBA, as with the NHL and MLB, this is a lot driven by TV revenue. And I say a lot. I mean, it's mostly it's about TV money. It's about owners wanting to recoup the huge financial loss they're taking this season. Kyle Fredrickson, you were mentioning the possibility of fans in the fall for college football, for pro football, pro football potentially weaning fans into their stadiums throughout the year. Obviously, this MLB 60-game season will be played without fans, and uh, that was part of the contentious negotiations between owners and players over the financial aspect of this. And Mike, as you mentioned, the coronavirus aspect of this just cannot be ignored. I mean, uh, we'll transition into this final part, but Major League Baseball players will undergo coronavirus testing upon arrival at Spring Training 2.0 in their home cities. Uh, they'll be given workouts if they test negative, and then they'll be tested every other day during training camps, regular season and postseason, any positive tests Anyone testing positive will be quarantined, and two negative tests are required for a return. So uh, they got some rules laid out. We'll see if it works, and that kind of leads us to this final aspect of of this podcast, special edition on the return to sports. What's it been like covering these sports uh, from a media angle as the pandemic has been going on? And, um, Mike, you and I just this, this week reported on a couple positive coronavirus Uh, cases with Denver pro sports athletes very notable ones Nikola Jokic and Charlie Blackman so let's just start off with that and then maybe we can kind of backtrack as to talking about the lack of availability and trying to fill the sports section every day but uh, you know what did that take for you to to break that story Mike and you know what kind of importance is that I guess that sort of reporting as we're going through here in, in the sports journalism landscape in this time?
1: Yeah, you know, I, I'd be really curious to hear your thoughts because basically I had that story uh, of Nikola Jokic's positive test and I was planning to protect his identity. I, I was trying to. Um, and uh, because I don't necessarily know the protocol, I don't know the ethics, uh, I, I don't know if it is our position to be uh, reporting on someone's health. I really did not know the answer. So, so that put me in a little bit of a pickle. Um,
0: and know, I, and again, I'd agree I'd be, with that. I'd agree with, you know, I, I felt that same kind of push-pull as I was doing my store in the Rockies. But anyways, continue.
1: No, so that, so that definitely weighed uh, on my mind. I had heard of a, another person within the Nuggets organization who tested positive. Uh, and I decided not, this was several months ago, and I decided not to uh, report that. Because, again, I didn't think that that was my place. Um, I had heard that the NBA, uh, might try and, you know, give a release and and say, this is the X amount of positive tests that we've had. Uh, and frankly, it's just a question of, is that identity? Obviously it's newsworthy, but is it our place? And is, is it because it's so sensitive and so personal is that the teams or the, the players position to be releasing that information? And frankly, I don't necessarily know the answer, but, um, you know, like you said, huge news with Nikola Jokic still being in Serbia. Um, he tested positive uh, after being exposed at an exhibition game um, in in Belgrade, and so now it's just a matter of when can the Nuggets get him back stateside? Uh, when can he start training again? Uh, on Jan- on July first, there's mandatory workouts at the Pepsi Center, and it's unclear whether he's going to be back for that. Um, to, to the larger point, I think that it's been extremely challenging, and I, you know, again, I would be really curious to hear Kyle Squared's thoughts uh, on on how we've approached this from a media perspective. The access hasn't been there, and in my opinion, I've been forced to get creative. I've leaned as much as possible on, on my network, on people I have, and, and, and I, again, I think I've ended up reaching out to more contacts than I generally would have, uh, during the season for just because I never have time to. So, uh, Fredrickson, I'm curious how, how, what, what is your, um, protocol been? What has your weekly process looked like when you're trying to assess potential stories? Where have you gone in that regard? Gotcha. And just to sort of touch
2: on, on what, just to transition this as well, is because I'm this is an interesting topic, sort of this medical information thing. You know, I, I don't work the beat specifically like you guys do, so I'm not tasked with breaking that news. And honestly, I sort of enjoy that. But, but um, to your guys' point of publishing that sort of information, you know, it's not a violation of, like, HIPAA. A lot of people say, oh, this is a HIPAA violation. Well, that only applies to a medical provider who is releasing information. So, in a sense, if you guys catch wind that – you know someone has a disease it's not you're not necessarily you know liable from a journalism law sense or anything like that or a, even a medical law sense um but yeah I, I think that's that's difficult for me in my role though what's been nice uh with no sports going on it's been difficult because without having games to cover that is is a challenge but it's allowed me to kind of write about whatever I've wanted to write about. And for me, you know, growing up in Colorado, I love the outdoors. So I, you know, did a long story about fishing and and what's allowed during the pandemic, what state parks are doing for, you know, social distancing wise and everything like that. Uh, Wrote about booming bike shops in the Denver metro area. If if you want to buy your kid a a bike for Christmas, a brand new, nice one, uh, you better order it now if if you want to get it here in time. Um, So, you know, I I think this pandemic has kind of shined a light on the sports world. in ways that are forcing us to pay attention to them or or at least allowing people to kind of expand their attention uh without just the constantness of games and analysis and the daily grind um i know initially i'm sure you guys agree with this it was almost a bit of a relief uh to get a break from that grind not having those games every day getting a chance to kind of sit back and look at big picture stuff but i tell you what i'm I'm getting pretty stir crazy at this point and the the, the day that the rockies are are back in coors field if we're also in the press box. it's going to be a day to celebrate for sure.
0: Yeah, the Denver Post sports section definitely needs the return of sports and games happening again, even if they're not happening in front of fans. And uh, just to kind of put a cherry on top of that conversation, and in addition to the more you know difficult reporting that I've had to do over this pandemic, like uh, breaking the news about Charlie Blackman, which, you know, by the way, we, we had considerable discussion about, you know, naming the players w- within the newsroom and w- with the editors. And, and ultimately, as, as you discussed, Mike, you know, players reporting to training camp for the Nuggets players reporting to spring training 2.0 for the Rockies. Now, who knows if we would have access to, you know, the players come July one in any sort, but at any rate, I'd imagine Charlie and the other two players uh, would still have to be quarantined at that point, you know, a couple weeks from their uh, test date. So, Uh, the question would arise, you know, it's just like a, on the field injury. Like if something keeps them from getting to camp, from being part of the team uh, we felt like it was our duty to report about it. So beyond that, those kind of, you know, tough decisions and tougher reporting, I've enjoyed, like you said, Kay Fred, just kind of relaxing back and taking a look at the bigger picture. I think, I'm really pr- proud of our icon series that we've done across all the sports now and the football ones finishing up, but we've done uh, baseball, we did basketball. Um, it's, it's really turned out great. And I think, as you fellows would probably admit, or as you fellows would probably agree with, it's a it's a great way to really encapsulate all the individuals uh, around Denver um, locally, on a professional level, college level, who have, who have really contributed to the sports scene here and, and helped it thrive. Um, I would say my, my favorite one that I did, uh, I, I had a lot of them, but I would say the uh, feature I did on Colorado Mesa coach Chris Hanks, who, former um, college baseball star, he was gonna probably be a pretty good big leaguer but his shoulder blew out and then he went over to Colorado Mesa built them into a division two powerhouse I'd be curious I know you both you guys did some of those icon series what uh what story or person stuck out to you
1: um I'll, I'll jump in I uh I profiled Becky Hammond um who had a pretty legendary college career at Colorado State And uh, despite not being able to get in touch with Becky, she is tricky and reticent to talk to the media. Uh, I talked to one of her college coaches. I talked to Sue Bird. Um, who obviously played against her in the WNBA. Uh, and I talked to Danny Green, who uh, was coached by her, by her as uh, a professional with the San Antonio Spurs. Now that Becky is an assistant coach down in San Antonio with Greg Popovich. So uh, I, I just thought it was cool. Uh, again, we generally don't have time to explore uh, those personalities and those stories and those uh, people that make up the fabric of our sports uh, in this state. And so that was kind of a, a welcome project um, and you know in searching for trying to find things to do it was fun to be able to sink your teeth into stories like that I know I did Becky Hammond I, I wrote a story on Mahmoud Abdul Raouf who was kind of the Kaepernick before Kaepernick um, in 1994 and I also talked to Nuggets Hall of Famer Alex English so none of those none of those things I would have been able to do uh, if we would have been in the grind of the season. For sure, and just in that, the same vein as what Mike talked about, uh, one
2: Icon Series story I did was on the legendary uh, CU women's basketball coach, Seal Barry, and to be honest, the best part of it was getting out of my house driving to Boulder and meeting her in her backyard and actually like seeing someone face to face that I'm writing about because doing so many phone interviews, you know, as a journalist, you're trying to really kind of paint a picture. And, and I think we're still able to do that over the phone. Um, but it just was so refreshing to just actually see someone I was talking to um, and, and, and getting to kind of put that into the story, uh, just sort of the little things that uh, maybe you took for granted in a, in a pre
1: coronavirus world.
0: Again, folks, this has been a special edition Denver Post podcast about the return to sports and covering sports amid the coronavirus pandemic. I am Kyle Newman, alongside Kyle Fredrickson and Mike Singer. Be sure to keep it tuned to denverpost.com/sports and be sure to subscribe to the paper. Really appreciate your support during this time as we continue to bring you all the updated information, and it will be coming in quick here over these next couple weeks as MLB, NBA, and NHL all get back to action uh guys thanks for calling into the show and uh you stay busy on your respective beats
1: thank you so much i like kyle squared by the way <laughs> it's a cute nickname it's pretty it's cute i want a nick, i want a cute nickname
0: all right we'll hang out mike and develop a cute nickname together okay? cool
1: cool cool, right. cool.
0: folks denverpost.com sports thanks for listening in and until next time take it easy